How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are locked on Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked on Bucks, brought to you today by SeatGeek. Our good friends at SeatGeek are a great resource at all times. The Bucks are on the road, but you know what? There's still cool stuff going on at the BMO Harris Bradley Center. NCAA tournament games over this weekend, Thursday and Saturday. There's concert tickets that you can buy tickets to on here. Literally any, pretty much anything that has tickets, you could buy tickets for them on SeatGeek. So, Head over to SeatGeek and use the promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S. Again, that's L-O-Bucks for Lockdown Bucks. And you can get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. So go ahead and use that today and save some money on some tickets. Or get paid to go to an event if it's cheap enough. We've talked about that in the past. Um, Frank, how are you? You are here. How is your life, night, whatever? Uh, I'm doing well, Eric. Thanks for asking. I'm actually, I was actually, we were discussing our ads this week. Um, I think we're going to talk about Mac Weldon tomorrow. I'm actually browsing for Mac Weldon sweatpants right now. Although I'm debating, do I need sweatpants when I live in Texas? And we're basically through the coldest of the year. Um, uh, we're, we're giving Mac Weldon some extra love tonight, but, uh, but I'm, I'm good. Um, I'm, I wish I had more basket. I wish I had a Bucks game tonight. I want to, <laughs> I wanted, I wanted something to get, get you know, my mind off of, yesterday but um we have to wait until uh until wednesday's night's game which i guess is tonight's game when people will be hearing this but uh looking forward to seeing the bucks on espn especially given that uh watching the game from a hotel uh on league pass generally sucks so happy to be uh (laughs) I get to watch the Bucks on on a regular television in my hotel room tomorrow i would say one thing that i've done tonight is officially start my nba draft scouting which is which is kind of an event because I I think I've talked about my theory before, but I try to watch as little of college basketball as possible as the year goes on um, and just like keep my eyes fresh or like away from creating any sort of biases. And I try to stay away from mock drafts and see where, where guys are going and stuff. So I don't, I don't artificially uh, bias myself towards players or things. And uh, when the NCAA tournament starts, I kind of allow myself to start doing some of that. So I watched uh, Wake Forest in Kansas State. And in that game, Wake Forest has a guy named John Collins who's in that 15 to 20 range. And if the Bucks make the playoffs, they would be in that 15 to 20 range. Uh, so that was, that was kind of cool that I started that. And then as a, as a K-State grad, I have an irrational love for their point forward, Wesley Awundu, who is currently in the second round. Uh, I, I think Draft Express has him there and who I would definitely enjoy seeing the Bucks take uh, in the second round. So I, I started my, my draft 
my draft watching, my draft scouting, whatever you may want to call it, I started that tonight. So that's kind of a distraction for me. So just to clarify, because I believe I've kind of made fun of you for this before. So your concern is that knowing something about players would make you biased. Is that, is that what you're telling us? Is that what you're telling us? And and watching only tournament games is not biasing you? Isn't Aren't you going to be biased either way? Just depends on what you watch. Ascent, I, I think you can find unhealthy attachments to certain players that you may think fit the bucks very well. So for example, this year you'd be thinking like, Oh, point guards and centers. And then all of a sudden you start to only watch that point guards and centers games. And you don't watch other prospects that you might not be as interested in. And you start to kind of fall in love with those guys and, only see the things you want to see about them that are good and ignore the bad because you've watched them so many times and you're looking out for those things that you really want to see like oh this guy can really catch and shoot threes like yes that's exactly what the bucks need but maybe you don't realize that he turns it over every time he touches it or or whatever it may be so that's that's always the thing that i get concerned about that if at the start of a college season i figure out five guys that i really like and think could work for the Bucks. I worry that I would by the end of the season I would not have an unbiased opinion on them anymore. I would be borderline obsessed with them and only think about the good things that they could do for the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't I understand crazy. I get it, but that's kind of where my head. My my plan is to uh just basically root for the Bucks to draft uh French point guard Frank uh Tilikina or Tilikina. Uh, because he's French, and I have no concerns that I'm ever going to see him play until he gets to the NBA, and his name is Frank. So, <laughs> I mean, that that pretty much that's pretty much perfect. I mean, we we've been we've been desperate to uh, get a French player to name French host, uh, so much so that we tried to give Axel Tupon that nickname yeah. um, when he played, you know, like eight minutes for the Bucks uh, this month before being <laughs> unceremoniously. I mean, technically. By the end He's of that, Terrence Jones. He still played more minutes than Terrence Jones, right? So, <laughs> but technically, I guess you don't make it to the end of a ten day. You are kind of French toast in that situation. Like you are, you, you have are. you have been toasted before finishing a ten day contract. So maybe it does fit him quite yet. I, I don't really know. Um, but I guess in starting that NCAA tournament, kind of watching, I, I started to think, oh, Thursday, Milwaukee. And started to think, oh, what 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 do tickets look like for that? Could I go to games? And the NCAA tournament is obviously a very exciting time. And where else? SeatGeek. They got exactly what you need. You can go check out what they have for tickets for the event. And they make it so easy for you. They have the wonderful app. And their tool it grades out the seats for you. It can tell you if you're getting a good deal, a great deal, an all right deal, whatever, whatever the deal may be. It grades it for you. It goes to the other ticket sites. And... Maybe that can allow you to Thursday, maybe make a, a rash decision Thursday morning, skip work, and go watch some basketball. Or wait for the evening session, watch that one. Or wait until Saturday and try to see some teams punch their tickets to the Sweet 16. So SeatGeek allows you to do all of that. And, of course, it's it's very easy to use. You, you can download the app, and then once you do that, open up the settings tab, click enter, pro, enter a promo code, enter our promo code, L-O-B-U-C-K-S, Again, that's LO Bucks for Lockdown Bucks, and that'll get you a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase, and they will send that rebate to you, and you can save that money and 
hopefully get tickets to something great. Like we said, NCAA tournament. There's a bunch of concerts in town. I know I'm thinking about going to Vince Staples, uh, which is just a, a week, about a week away. Um, so you can find those those cheap seats, those great tickets to whatever event you may be looking for. And you can only do that with SeatGeek. Question for you, Eric. Uh, okay. Have you been to an NCAA tournament game ever? I was thinking about this and... I feel like I might have gone to a session at the Bradley Center, maybe in one of those, maybe like 96, 8, 2000. I don't know. I was young at the time. As I'm starting to think about it, I think I might have been, but I don't totally remember it. So maybe I didn't. Um, But what I do remember is I was lucky enough to know someone in the Kansas State Athletic Department while I was uh, going there. And... I got very cheap tickets to the Final Four in the National Championship game when Wisconsin was in it in Indianapolis and had the absolute time of my life on Saturday. Um, not quite, <laughs> as, not quite as much on Monday, um, but man, Saturday Wisconsin beating Kentucky and drinking with a bunch of random people in Indianapolis was. Uh, that's that that was pretty cool were you were you there with our our, uh, our former brew hoop compatriot aaron johannes didn't he go to that one too he, i don't think he went on saturday i think he went on monday um and we okay. we couldn't meet up because we were in way different sections and i mean it's a football stadium and it was a crazy monday night yeah. so we didn't see each other but i think he was there on monday okay yeah well i i do not have nearly as cool uh, a story uh as far as the ncaa tournament goes but i did go i think twice to tournament games at the bradley center in the 90s when i was growing up i think the first one was early 90s and i think i, I think it was georgia tech when i believe it was james forrest who was a forward he was actually pretty decent back then uh, I think he hit like an off-balance game winner uh, against somebody. And Drew Barry, uh, John and uh, Brent's lesser younger brother, the least of the Berries, uh, <laughs> was on that Georgia Tech team. And for some reason, I remember that. Um, and then I did see Tim Duncan play with Wake Forest. I think I was just looking this up. I guess it was a 96 at the Bradley Center. So, so I guess that was cool because Tim Duncan was cool. But it's just a weird... Seeing the earlier on games are weird because you've got the traveling, you know, student bands, sections, mm-hmm. and obviously they're really into it, but there's multiple games in a session, so it's like always sort of these weird, you know, fans who are there to see the, their specific teams, and they're like there for two sessions, and then you got sort of the neutral fans from the local area, and it's just kind of a strange, strange vibe, but um, anyway forget the NCAA tournament we have real basketball to talk about that's right Ooh. that's right i'm talking smack about okay. uh, college basketball no, I'm okay it's, fun. With that. it's fun college basketball is fun but uh we we have nba basketball to talk about this is locked on bucks uh, not locked on college basketball and we talked a lot about rotations yesterday um i re i was re-listening to our pods the next day and um i i kind of could like feel myself getting bored talking about rotations mm-hmm. um but it is such a popular topic. It is. And I thought one question uh, that came up today, so um, Paul Pressy 25 from the Real GM Forums on Twitter was asking us about, um, you know, we should do a, a pod on comparing, like, the 4 through 13 spots in the roster and comparing to, like, other, you know, contenders, things like that. I don't think we have time to do that, at least not at this point, Uh not tonight, or we don't have the intestinal fortitude to want to do, do that tonight. Maybe off-season um, pod. That, I could maybe do that. May, off-season. Maybe off-season pod. Maybe off-season pod. 
Um, but it kind of got me thinking about like, okay, who, who on the Bucks? And we kind of started talking about this. We talked yesterday about the guys that that we would sit. So the guys that we would not make part of the rotation. Um, but to me, I think the interesting question is. I, then I was thinking of it, and I tweeted um, sort of the reverse of that, which is, well, who from the Bucks really is worthy of consistent rotation minutes? And I, I certainly don't think, given you know, especially like you look at the big guys, there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of numbers of there are a lot of number a lot of big guys on this roster. Um, in terms of like guys who I think are actually deserving of consistent rotation minutes. Uh, and I guess this is part of the problem. I, I didn't come up with a long list. I mean, I, I tweeted out mine. We can get to that in a moment. But, I mean, if you were coaching the Milwaukee Bucks, I mean, who would you pencil in and say, okay, these guys, or or, or make it permanent marker? Well, but who who would you look at on this roster and say, okay, these guys need to play every night. They need to play, you know, significant minutes every night. And let's say that's, you know, at least 20 to 25 minutes. You know, and, and you can say more for obviously some of the the key guys like Giannis and Chris. But but who who else other than those two guys are are on your list that need to play every night, no matter what? Um, I'm going to just assume that like Chris Middleton is back to full health for the yep. sake of this exercise. Uh, yep. And Jabari is out also for the sake of this exercise. Yeah, let's assume let's assume basically like the current roster minus Jabari since he's going to be out for you know basically the mid middle of next season, but assume Chris is playing, you know, 30 plus minutes. Okay. So I, I guess the easy ones are Giannis and Chris at 35 minutes a night. Um, I think that's pretty easy. Tony Snell at 28 ish to 30 a night. Um, I think that one's pretty easy. Brogdon at 25 to 28 a night. I think that's pretty easy. Um, Greg Monroe at, 20 a night i'm pretty okay with that so you so i think that's probably the most interesting one you've named just because greg monroe playing only tw- i mean granted early in the season he was around 20 minutes per game yeah. uh, he's obviously become probably more and more important as thon maker has become the starter just because thon obviously does not play you know significant minutes ever mm-hmm. um so but you you would not want to play greg monroe more than than 20 minutes most nights or, or is that like a using that as like a target for average or like a I, I guess that, minimum that's probably like the low end uh, ideally i mean he almost because i'm i'm not interested in I, I guess this is hard to do because the, i guess part of this exercise assumes that there's someone else to play uh, uh, other minutes like ideally you would play greg monroe just 20 minutes a night but that means you would have someone capable of taking 28 minutes a night and that's not the case on this roster. Um, so 20 is ideal to me for Greg Monroe. Um, and then 10 is ideal for Thon Maker, um, just for development. Because, again, he's not ready, but I, I want to see that development. And that's as far as I'd go at the center position. But, obviously, that leaves 18 minutes. So, um, I, I guess what I'm kind of trying to do is do this as though there there's caps to how much these people should play and assuming that they're in this other world there would be other people to fill those roles um and honestly that's probably about as far as i go as far as what i think people that have deserved minutes this season yeah i would tend to agree i mean i think um 
you know, again, just based on a lack of other options, I mean, I'm, I'd be fine with this roster saying Delhi gets 15 to 20 and you give Brogdon 25 to 30. Sure. Um, and, and basically you just sort of balance it out that way. Um, I think I would agree. I mean, Snell, I mean, the, the thing, the interesting thing with Snell is he's playing so well, um, that, I mean, I think if he doesn't play 30 minutes on a given night and he's had a number, he's had a bunch of like under 30 games, I kind of look at that and say, you know, I'd much rather have Snell for, you know, bumping from 28 to 33 than Jason Terry going 26 rather than 21 or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, or, or, or Rashad Vaughn, you know, I, I would try to load up probably Snell a little bit more just because he's been playing very well and he's, you know, just generally one of the more competent defenders, obviously, that they have on the roster. So um, so I would probably load up Snell a little bit more, which feels kind of crazy to say, I guess. Um, I'm, I'm very happy to say it. Uh, but um, but I think, you know, the way he's played for some time now, he, he's been very good. Um, and Monroe, I, I would say, yeah, I mean, I would probably say 25 to 30 even for Monroe. Okay. Um, maybe shoot for an average of 20, 25 to 27. Um, I think for a guy like him, there, there can definitely be value of, of not playing him too many, keep maybe you get more value by playing him, you know, 25 minutes rather than 35 minutes. Uh, in terms of like his his two way effort, um, he's averaged around 27, 28 minutes since the All Star break. Uh, for those curious, he averaged under 22 uh, pr- prior to the All Star break. So his numbers have uh, have gone up in terms of his workload. Um, although in that process, um, interestingly, with his minutes going up post All Star by about five. His shooting percentage has dropped from 54% to 49%. Um, his rebounding has actually fallen despite his minutes going up from 6.8 to 2 to 6.1. Um, and his steals have gone down from 1.3 to 0.9. Uh, so, I mean, you know, again, like, is there a, you know, is that because he's playing more? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's a small it, sample. Is that it's just something games. we're trying to find? Yeah. Right, exactly. But, I mean, it is interesting that playing more minutes has, has not, you know, led to a better Greg Monroe or, or, or gaudier. Um, you know, per you know, gaudy or raw stats, even right, which you would assume would would automatically happen. You'd average a bunch more points and, and rebounds. His his points are up by one point five per game, uh, from eleven point six to thirteen point one. But you know, again, it's sort of just like I'm I'm good with playing Thon ten to fifteen minutes. Um, you know, he he's looked overwhelmed increasingly lately. Uh, but I, you know, I think it's healthy to kind of go through this. Um, it, it is a beating. I think you know, kid has has told you uh, at uh, at the the pregame availability that you know I think they are concerned with his ability to kind of hold up um, and play much more than that. Um, <laughs> and there was so no hedging they, that comment. It was just like, oh, do you think maybe no. he can handle the physicality? And he was just like, no, he can't handle the physicality. <laughs> and it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, thank you for a direct answer. That's not something you normally give, but. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and and the Bucks have been really bad with Thon on the court of late. <laughs> like, you know, for a while it seemed like the Bucks seemed to kind of have these at least these spurts of energy with him, um, where they would play well and and you know seem to defend better with with him on the court. Um, that has not been happening of late. Um, they've been. Yeah, I think we've seen this a number of times, including in Memphis, getting exposed pretty early. And and again, that's not really just like oh, that's a Thon problem, but. Um, you know, he's not, I would say he's not solving uh, many problems right now. Um, if that's, if that's a fair way to say it, I think he's definitely a guy that I want to keep playing, but it's, it's more of a future type type thing. So he's the one guy I'm, I'm saying play him because 
not because he gives you know you the best chance to win, but just because I think um, it's something that's going to pay off in in the long term. But um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, I mean, like as much as I as much as I love Mirza Toledovich, like do I think he has to play twenty minutes every night? I don't know. It's it's tough, right? Especially yes. if you're trying to play Giannis at the four. Um, yeah, I, I do want to see Mirza try to get minutes, but I'm not going to sit here and say, especially with Beasley on the roster, that you know either of those guys has to get all the minutes because I think they're going to be nights when you want Beasley and there's going to be nights when you maybe you want Toledovich and I don't know. The 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 challenge is is finding out when when you want which one, right? So I, I guess the greater point when I brought this up last night was when we were discussing players four to thirteen in the roster and inconsistent rotations is. We just listed off players that we felt comfortable playing. And we didn't fill 48 minutes at any position. Like, we, maybe you could say we did it at point guard, but I don't necessarily know that either of us are over the moon to play Delhi those minutes. So maybe you say we, can, we filled point guard, but those are both below average point guards in the NBA. So... On this roster, we don't feel that there is enough competent players to fill even the necessary minutes at one position on the floor. And and granted, that's probably unfair to Giannis, who you could essentially, if you really wanted to get crazy with this exercise, you could say, well, just play them all 48. Uh, And his other 13 minutes that he shouldn't play are going to be better than any other forwards. But in the grand scheme of things... We can't fill those minutes. Like, this is a poorly constructed roster. And I don't think we necessarily thought anything different coming into this season, but when you do an exercise like this, you see there just isn't a lot of talent there. Well, I, I see, I would disagree with that at the forward spots. Like, I didn't pick Beasley or Toledovich in part because I think it's, especially with Chris and Giannis playing all their minutes at the forward spots right now, um, it's just kind of hard to find a good chunk of minutes for both Beasley and Toledovich. Um, but I, I would argue those guys, I mean, I think those guys have proven they can be legit NBA rotation players, right? And sure. and I would love to find I would love to find ways to get Toledovich on the court with Giannis. Yeah. But the problem is even if you say Giannis is gonna play thirty five minutes of power forward, you know, you can say, Oh, well, we'll make Toledovich the stretch for for the other thirteen to fifteen minutes. But then you're not playing him with Giannis. And the whole Correct. point of Toledovich, as we've said over and over, is you want to get him on the court with Giannis. So um, so then, you know, it's like, okay, what do you do? And, you know, maybe the solution, I mean, I think it's something we would like to do more, but we pretty much never see Kid do it anymore. He had basically like a two-week stretch where he tried it uh, earlier in the season, is is try to play some small, more small lineups. Um, and, and they essentially again, played, what, 35 minutes of actual centers then, like when they did that? Well, I mean, you didn't have Thon playing at all. Um, you know, this, this was in the, that it started in that period when, when Monroe had his mysterious benching, um, which to me was the, probably the most egregious kid being completely irrational with (laughs) minutes. Totally. Um, you know, cause I mean, there's legitimately like you're, you know, at the time you're maybe your second most effective player or third, if you want to be charitable Jabari, but probably your second most effective player. No, that was crazy. That was straight up crazy. goes up to, to not playing at all i mean and i don't who knows what was going on behind the scenes but but that was just like lunacy um and and i think it showed in the fact that they got killed in a couple of those games um but uh but yeah i mean it, they have obviously enough centers to fill minutes 
Um, but that's sort of the irony of this roster. I think that's where the roster construction problem kind of comes in, right? I think there's problems with how kid manages a roster and there's problems with the roster itself. And yeah. at center, especially, I mean, it's just like, here's the problem. Like none of us want to see two center lineups. We want to see more no center lineups, yeah. but guess what? Like if you give a guy like kid who, who's always going to play guys, um, and, and doesn't want to go really small. Typically, if you give him a billion centers, he's going to play all of them basically at some point. And so it's kind of like, you can't even like give him, like give him basically two, you're going to have to give him two centers total in order to maybe get him to play Giannis at center sometimes. That's the problem. I don't know if you're going to get this reference or our listeners will get this reference, but in the movie Moneyball, have you seen it? Yeah. Okay. So in Moneyball, he wants the certain guy that's actually a catcher to be played at first base, Brad Pitt's character, Billy Bean's character. So he keeps telling the manager, hey, you got to play this guy at first. And he says, we don't. We only have one first baseman on the roster, and I'm going to play him, and Hatterberg isn't a catcher. And then he says, blah, 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 and it goes in circles, and then eventually he trades away all of the positions so that he has to play Hatterberg at first base. And that's exactly what what would need to happen. Like, it, it's, very, it's very hard for a coach when you put $43 million at three centers to – at times, not play one of them on the floor. Yeah, and and I, and I don't know. I mean, this is the problem, right? You, this is why John Henson sometimes doesn't play at all. This is why sometimes he, you know, is playing power forward. It's because you know you just don't know what Jason Kidd's going to do on a nightly basis. And um, but he doesn't seem to want to just bury a guy completely. So, uh, so yeah, it, it's. I mean, this is one of these questions, right? I mean, we we don't know what, what will happen to Monroe this summer, but. I'm fascinated to see sort of how the 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 front office kind of rebalances the the front court because you know there there are just too many guys uh, at center and when you think about an efficient use of you know your team's salary to have all these all this money dumped into centers and you know realistically you should be playing probably some lineups every night that don't have any centers. Uh, and you have all these sort of and all this all these question marks in your backcourt. I mean, that, that just tells you that yeah, you're not distributed very well in terms of your cap, <laughs> your cap spending right now. So, um, so anyway, we'll we'll talk a lot more about that, I'm sure, uh, in the future. But um, it would be nice if we had you know another guy we could talk about in the backcourt that we would love to get 25 to 30 minutes every night. Um, yeah. Instead, we're talking about how do we unload some of all that dead cap well i don't know about dead cap but all that money is currently being spent on centers and and reallocate so anyway should we we stop talking about sure let's let's segue to some other centers getting paid money um and not actively filling a roster spot let's go to cleveland where larry sanders played his first game uh tonight and larry sanders is still being paid by the bucks question mark from all of bucks twitter frank yes and so uh, this this is, was asked many times uh over the last couple of years people would ask me if larry signs elsewhere um would the bucks still have to pay the 1.9 million dollars that they're you know owing him basically when he when he got bought out uh, in early 2015 the deal was that he was stretched over uh, he had three years left on his deal, so it was two times the number of years left on his deal plus one. That is how the stretch provision works. So that means over seven years, uh, he was being paid the money owed to him 
which added up to about 1.9 million per year. So unfortunately, um, Larry Sanders will continue to get paid. Um, I think through the 21-22 season. Um, yeah. So uh, apologies, Bucks fans. I, I, I hate to break it to you, but Larry Sanders is going to get paid longer than any other player uh, actually on the Bucks roster right now. So that's a little depressing. Um, but the basically the the upshot is that because of the way uh, and the, the, the basically the way he was bought out, uh, basically the Bucks it's it's lost. It's the money's gone. He's going to get that regardless. Um, him signing a, a minimum contract with the Cleveland Cavaliers does not in any way offset what the the Bucks owe him. So um, unfortunately, that 1.9 million uh, is just going to be going out the door every year for um, another what four or five years, which is sad to say, but that's just the way it is. So yeah, so Larry Sanders is is in Cleveland and he's still getting paid more by the Bucks <laughs> than the Caps. At least for you know the next uh, this year, and he signed I think an option for for next year. Um, I did see him play his two minutes. He tried to post up uh, Bo- Bo- Boban Marjanovic and sort of awkwardly threw up a shot that that almost <laughs> went in, uh, but it missed. And then he immediately fouled Boban, and then he fouled another guy uh, on an and one, uh, trying to catch up in in uh, on a fast break. But this was at the end of like a game the Cavs won by about thirty against the Pistons, so not a lot at stake and. They uh, they apparently have said that they expect to send him down to uh, Canton, the charge, uh, in the D-League to try to get some minutes, I think, get in a better game shape, because um, obviously he hasn't played in two years. So, um, you know, you're, you're not just going to waltz in and, and suddenly be, uh, you know, a, a top quite, a top flight NBA player. And, and I don't know. I mean, if you're the Cavs, I mean, you have Tristan Thompson as obviously the clear-cut starter. You, you know, can make a lot of hay with Channing Frye being a stretch five off the bench, you know, is Larry Sanders going to play at all? Uh, normally, I, I don't know. Um, but you can certainly see why a team like that with kind of, you know, nothing to lose. They tried to sign Andrew Bogut. And now they're just going through old buck centers, I guess. Um, Larry Sanders is next on the list. So, um, <laughs> so I guess. I Zaza guess maybe, next you know. year, I think. Uh, is that about the timeline, right? Zaza next year, maybe Henson two or three years down the road. Um, and well, then... I, I think, I think, I think, I think Miroslav Radulitz is next on the list, oh, so they're gonna have to wait in line. That's my mistake. Miroslav. Um. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but I don't. It's kind of it's kind of interesting. I mean, Larry was so like you kind of saw he was so good in what the 2012-13 season, and then you know he just sort of and and obviously the 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 offboard stuff, the mental health stuff. Like it's so hard to parse out like you know how much that affected him. And and really, how much margin for error a guy like that has, who had obviously I don't, I don't know at this point, but he obviously had terrific physical tools um, and athleticism, and you know obviously a lot of other things he didn't have going for him. But it, it'll be interesting to see if you know he can ever recapture kind of kind of where he was. I think he is. Uh, I think he was a 1988 birthday. I think he's 28 now. So um, you know certainly not getting getting any younger, and certainly for a guy who's uh, game was based largely on on his physical attributes. So it'll be interesting to see if he can um, become an NBA player again, and or if he's just gonna. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I will be watching intently because um, I'm very curious to see how it goes. I also have next to no ill will for Larry Sanders. I don't. I don't think that's typical among the Bucks fan base. I know some people 
really don't like them. Some people are indifferent towards them, but I am I'm actively rooting for Larry Sanders. I hope the best for him, and I hope it ends up working out in Cleveland. Um, uh, I would say I would say I I would say I am not rooting for him in basketball terms. I am hopeful that he uh, can manage sort of some of the you know uh, issues, mental health stuff that obviously um, kind of derailed his career the first time around. Um, but as for whether I want to see Larry Sanders <laughs> have a career renaissance and be awesome in Cleveland, not really. I don't need, I'm, I'm not, I'm not really rooting for that. And I don't, again, I, I think not, I'm, I'm more hoping rooting. that he survives. Like he just, okay, that's like, he, that's like he's fine. Like I don't want to see all caps, Larry Sanders exclamation point, come back in Cleveland. Like <laughs> he can, he can just be fine and just be okay. Like that, that's totally fine with me and I'll be rooting for that. But no, seeing Larry Sanders be awesome again would not would not be great for me. Um, I would not enjoy that. Yeah. Any thoughts on uh, this game on Wednesday night? It's a, an ESPN game. As we mentioned, it's a late start, unfortunately, 9.30, so we're going to be podcasting super late. I know, uh, jo- hazard of this fake job uh, of ours <laughs> uh, that we're going to have to be up until you know 1 a.m. or something discussing this game, win or lose. Um You've mentioned, I believe you used the phrase uh, boat race yep. as a verb to describe what the Bucks did to yep. uh, the Clippers uh, not this past weekend, but the weekend before. Uh, they forced a ton of turnovers. They gave up, I think they allowed 55% shooting against the Clippers, but they they still just kind of blitzed them and, uh, and ultimately kind of ran away in that game. Uh, Giannis, a terrific second half to hold off a Chris Paul-inspired rally. Uh, I don't know. I mean, how much of a chance do you give the Bucks in this game? Obviously, the Clippers have been a bit up and down, but they are obviously very talented, and they are playing at home against a Bucks team that I don't know. They're the Bucks. Who knows what we're going to see, right? Uh, a win seems pretty unlikely. Um, but I guess the the nice thing with the Clippers is their bench is just whew, wow. Um, there there are games when. You see the Bucks bench come in, and you you kind of hope like, all right, let let's just try to survive here, and let's try to get through here. And but man, when you when you see the Bucks able to put out, I don't even know who you want to put on the floor. You want to say Brogdon, Terry, uh, Toledovich, Monroe, and someone else. You put that out there, like you actually feel pretty okay when you see that they're going up against Austin Rivers and. Raymond Felton and Mo Spates and I don't even know who else. Wesley Johnson, Brandon Bass. Like, there's just not a lot to like on that Clippers bench. They are they are so incredibly top heavy that I think the Bucks always have a chance against them because they have guys off their bench that can do things and they have some chemistry in those bench units. So um, I think they kind of always have a chance against the Clippers and no matter how well. Paul and Griffin and Jordan play that bench being so bad can help opponents stay in the game. Would you ca- care to guess what the win probability is in terms of percentage likelihood of a Bucks win uh, based on what 530, 538 and number fire uh, they both provide these individual game uh, predict- predictions and, and likelihood of a win uh, they, they have the exact same number for this game so I can't imagine it's good to- um, yeah, would you care to guess what that number is? Give me 23%. Wow. 
24%. Hey, oh, nice. Who needs the computer when we got Eric named? <laughs> um, that Let's never right play that me. game again, ever. Yeah, exactly. That feels about right to me. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll, we'll sit back and wait and um, uh, hope for, if nothing else, <laughs> a Giannis uh, true professional shows up yep. on a uh, big national stage game uh, and and maybe uh, makes us forget a bit about Monday's effort. Not not that he was particularly bad or anything, but um, he's had uh, a couple of sub-20 point games in a row now, which is uncharacteristic. So Giannis, uh, go dunk on uh, DeAndre as much as we admire him. Go dunk on him. Go dunk <laughs> on everybody else. And uh, who knows? We'll see if the Bucks can can maybe pull off another surprise against the Clippers. All right, that's going to be it for us today on Lockdown Bucks. And a reminder: we were brought to you by the wonderful folks at SeatGeek, and you can use our promo code L O B U C K S. Again, that's L O Bucks to get a twenty dollar rebate off your first purchase at SeatGeek. It's very easy. They have wonderful tickets. They have tickets to a million different events. So go go ahead and check them out today. For Frank Man, this has been Eric Name. We will talk to you late tomorrow after that Clippers game.